You're listening to the Better Man Podcast, becoming life-giving men together. Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Better Man Podcast. My name is Adam Tarno. Today on the podcast, Peter Ostopko, who is the founder and publisher of the Kinsman Journal, which you're going to hear all about during our conversation today. Uh, Peter's an interesting guy in the sense that uh, publishing is something he just kind of does on the side, which not many of us can say that. Professionally, over the last 10 years, he has been serving in the finance and banking industry, specifically within specialty lending and community banking. But publishing was a longtime dream of his, and he was able to make that come true. So he published something called the Kinsman Journal that was really birthed out of this belief that each man has a story to tell uh, because of Jesus and the Savior that redeems us. So I'm excited for you all to get to know Peter, hear more of the story about the Kinsman Journal, some of the things he learned, and why he put this publication together specifically for men. So enjoy my conversation with Peter Ostopko. Well, uh, Peter, welcome to the Better Man Podcast. Good to have you here today. Thank you. It's a privilege to be here. Thank you, Adam. Well, I feel like-minded with you because you, um, similar to me, have two very different kind of backgrounds that have come together like the end of a Seinfeld episode, right? Like like these storylines that seem to not really uh, seem to be connected, and then somehow they do. So for you, professionally, banker and publisher, those are not typically two things that go together there. So why don't you do this and talk about how did the vision for the Kinsman Journal come about? Yeah, well, it's it's a great question. And I tell people jokingly, there's really a five-year story and a 20-year story. And for, uh, we could have many a podcast conversations kind of unpacking all of that, but I'll tell the, uh, the quick version. Five years ago, uh, in January of 2017, I was in Wichita, Kansas, and I was traveling for work at the time. I was doing specialty lending, uh, actually church and nonprofit lending all over the nation. Uh, really loved the work. I mean, it was just really neat. Got to work with some great ministries and organizations. And I'd finished up, you know, some calls out there. And I typically at the end of the day, when I was traveling, I'd find myself usually at a bookstore or a coffee shop and uh, wandered into a Barnes and Noble and was just perusing through uh, the business section and this book caught uh, my eye. It was called The Revenge of Analog, Real Things and Why They Matter. And uh, the book was just a fascinating read on various industries that were really supposed to die off with the uh, emerging technologies that we are seeing. And the opposite effect happened in a lot of these cases where technology really either enhanced the ability of these industries or because so many people were just burned out with technology, they kind of went back to this, you know, analog uh, style and type. And so one of the chapters in the book was on the subject of print and one of them was on paper. So they kind of went together, but I read the chapter on print and it just, I mean, it just lit a spark in me and I just could not put the book down uh, and read it. And, you know, from a spiritual standpoint, I look back now with clarity and say the Lord was was very uh, intently getting my attention on this. And so for the next two years, really, for 2017 and 2018 and the first part of 2019, I spent, you know, all of my you know free time. I have young children, so that's here and there. Um, just learning about the industry of print, what's happened, you know, the, the saying goes or has been in the past, you know, print is dead. Uh, but really, it's more the, the newsprint and newspaper uh, type of print, but quality print writing, uh, the tactile experience really has been revived and there's really been a renaissance in the industry. And so, you know, business 101 is you look at the marketplace and you say, okay, you know, there's a, there's a hole in the market. Nobody's doing this. So you say, okay, is there a need here to fill this space? And so, uh, 
So we just explored that. And so uh, in 2019, through the series of some events, the Lord spoke very clearly about this. And so, and I say that now with with much more confidence, you know, there's a lot of stories within this. But then for the next year and a half, so from 2019 to about 2020, we just started to put a framework around you know, creating a men's publication that is uh, redemptive. It's it's God uh, oriented and centered. You know, it doesn't shy away from subjects that are uh, really encouraging and inspiring for men. But it's not done in a you know ten ways to be a good dad or you know four ways to profit in your business this week. You know, those are for headlines on on the internet. And so we just wanted to create you know a beautiful publication with quality storytelling. Uh, and so uh, and now I say the rest is history because the Lord just really brought it about and made it happen. But uh, yeah, I still daytime. Um, I'm in community local banking. I do commercial lending, uh, which is really gives me a neat perspective because I see, you know, like you and you're bivocational, you get to see both sides of what's happening, both in the, you know, in the marketplace, but then also in the nonprofit world. And yeah. so it's a neat perspective. So when you read that book at Barnes and Noble, I love that story. How do you go from, okay, this is fascinating to not just that I want to publish something that's going to be beautiful and that whole experience of being able to hold it, but specifically for men, like what 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 really captured your heart there to say, I want this to be a publication that men uh, are going to be interested in? Well, if you go to Barnes & Noble today and you look at the men's section, Adam, you'll find the offering for the traditional Christian male is abysmal. There's really not much there. And uh, that's not to say you just want to go in and manufacture an industry and create something that's not necessary. However, men are very visual. Magazines have been around for a long, long time. Technology and, and you know, and screens and all those things definitely have their place. And, and they've taken over a vast majority of, you know, advertising and our attention. However, there's something about something physical that when you hold it or experience it, uh, you have a different experience in effect. And now that technology has been a part of our world for so long, print is actually seen as much more luxurious and trusted and guys love it. They really, really do quality. They don't want junk. So that was part of it is this, there was a need for that. The other part of the story, I'll tell a snippet of the 20 year story is growing up. My father uh, was in publishing. My parents, you know, divorced when I was a young age. That's another story for another day, but the Lord just has redemptively brought this in and through my life. I've always just been drawn to print. I've always just been intrigued by it. And part of that is because when I was a kid and my dad was around, you know, you're, you're drawn to the things that your dad does. You want to, you want to learn about those things. And I remember him taking me on some calls and in various different places. And I just enjoyed that process. And so when the Lord clearly got my attention uh, in 2017 and just started to just walk me through this, I was, you know, just amazed at how clear he was in speaking to me about making this come to be, uh, but just confirming it along the way. Uh, but just the receptivity since we've been able to publish it and get it out there. So many of the little details that we were really careful about, you know, we've just been, it's been affirmed over and over why we did it the way that we did. That's right. That's right. So the book has like these three main subjects of faith, fatherhood, and work. Obviously, I, I think I see the connection. If this is going to be a book for men, why we would pick those three. But did you have some other categories that were possibly on the list that didn't make it? Yeah. Well, and going back real quick, you'd ask the question about men specifically. Yeah. If you go to the women's section at Barnes and Noble, there's hundreds of, of you know options, and there's so many of them are very encouraging and insightful and really good, and not even the ones that are necessarily have a spiritual um, you know inclination, but they're just they're just good. But for guys, there's really not that there, and I was just like, you know, we are so much more as men, I, and I really wanted to put a framework around that. So. Faith, fatherhood, and work are the three lenses by which we've really curated most of our content. And that's by design because 
the vast majority of a man's life really falls underneath those silos, you know, who we are in our faith, you know, our identity, that's our core. The very first essay in this inaugural issue is on sonship. You know, if we don't understand who we are in Christ, uh, that we are made whole in him, um, really nothing else. I mean, you're not going to get to where you want to be. You're not going to understand or be fulfilled because that's the, that's the place where we, we live from. And we need to be reminded of that constantly. Uh, so faith, the fatherhood uh, was something that's obviously near and dear to me as a father of young children. I like to say I'm very, to use a you know a finance term, I'm very bullish on fathers because I believe, yeah, there's a lot of data out there that's alarming and frustrating and all that kind of stuff. But I do believe that this generation, the millennials and the Gen Z, especially millennials, you know, we want to change the world. There's a lot of millennials. There's a lot of men out there that want to be good fathers. They want to be engaged. They want to you know, lead their kids well. They want to pray over their kids. They want to be involved in their lives um, sometimes more than we want them to. You know, Tim Elmore has written about helicopter parenting and all of that, but fatherhood is an important issue. And so we wanted to speak to that again through the lens of faith as well, because that's covering everything and then work. So initially, it's funny you asked that question because initially I wrote when I was writing out the framework, the subject I wanted to do was entrepreneurship. And I wrote that down, but then I just, you know, as I was just kind of praying through and just thinking about it, I just said, you know, not everybody is is an entrepreneur, nor do they need to be. We don't want that because nothing would ever get done. That's right. Entrepreneurs are just cloud surfing all the time with ideas. And, you know, they need practitioners and people that are going to, you know, uh, do the work. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, I settled on work because work, not only is there tremendous biblical reference to the work that we do as men, but work is just how men are wired. We're wired to, to produce, to create and so work just seemed to be a much more fitting description than entrepreneurship, because I wanted also to really elevate the working man. You know, so much of the offering is on tech moguls and, you know, people who start these big industries and businesses and lead billion dollar corporations. And there's a place for that and leading teams of 500. And that's fine. But what about the plumber? What about the what about the janitor? You know, what about the teacher? What about the police officer? You know, they're doing their work. It's honorable. It's holy. It's important. So we wanted to speak to that uh, in a way, too. And so uh, hopefully we, we captured that. So it's funny you asked that question about any other topics. Yeah, yeah. In entrepreneurship, it's so hard to, to say sometimes and takes up a lot of print space. It really is. You know, and, and also, too, like there's a great movement right now with the faith and work movement in the last 15, 20 years, spearheaded by Stephen Graves and John Maxwell with, you know, Life at Work and with Faith Faith Driven Entrepreneur and some other think tanks right now. There's some stuff out there in fatherhood. Some of it's kind of, I feel like it's been a little stale, the offering there. And I think, you know, we had a discussion even before we started recording just about ministries in general and men's ministry. You know, churches are really trying to evaluate what does this look like going forward? Because, you know, for so long, it's been men's breakfast and the occasional retreat you know, and stuff like that. And there's nothing wrong with those offerings for sure. Um, but what does that look like in this generation? And so, um, so yeah, so we just wanted to kind of put a little bit of a framework. And for me, being someone who's bivocational in the professional space, I think it's provided a different perspective about how we view some of these things, because I ultimately our hope is that the readers will relate to the stories. They'll relate to the images. They'll find themselves in their own story as they flip through the pages. That's our hope and our prayer. So here you are, you have these three topics and everybody's kind of, I'm sure there was a team that was involved in going through this with you and you all stack hands and go, okay, those are going to be the three. It's going to be about faith, fatherhood, and work. I would think now if you're going to you know, invest all of this time and money 
to go out and maybe you know try to get a little bit of a return on this, at least get some of your expenses covered through this, that you would go, all right, let's find the most well-known people out there to go write on these subjects. But if you page through all that, right, there's not a lot of names that you're going to recognize on there. So I would imagine that was done by design. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. Yeah. We, uh, you know, and I want to say this carefully because, you know, there are 15, 20, 25 voices, you know, in the general Christian space that I think, you know, get a lot of the the radio waves, you know, they're on every podcast and, and brilliant minds, brilliant, you know, writers and people that have tremendous capacity. And we learn so much from them. That being said, though, I, and this goes back to one of the pieces we were so intentional about and just really discerning the Holy Spirit is I wanted to tell stories of everyday men. You know, I, I obviously in this first issue, I pulled from people that I knew or closely, you know, had a, a knowing of a story or a reflection or who they are. And there are some names in there that are some published authors and that have some level of a platform or voice, but nothing like, you know, you flip through there and, and some people probably wouldn't, wouldn't recognize any of the names, but that's certainly by design. And the intent behind that really is, is the gospel is for everyone and it's explored differently by everyone, but we wanted to share there's commonality amongst so many different men in walks of life and different ages and backgrounds and perspectives. Uh, and so, yeah, for this first issue, we had nearly 30 writers. Um, that's a lot of editing. You know, there's all original photography. There's actually only one image in there that was a stock photo. So if somebody listening to this There's podcast, a Where's Waldo, right? Go and find that. <laughs> journal and you find it, you know, I'll, I'll send you something. So, uh, <laughs> But uh, I tell you, it, you know, we wanted to just be original and authentic in the voice. And I think this goes back to, again, this journal is a, an expression of, I believe, what God is doing in the lives and the hearts of men. So I didn't want that to be, you know, people to just be drawn into it just because of a name. I wanted it to be drawn in because the Holy Spirit moved on their heart just and real. they learned yeah. from what they're reading. And that's really, we learn by testimony. I mean, men learn by testimony. And so, you know, that was probably one of the hardest parts of this first issue was pulling it out of men and saying, no, I need more here. Tell me more. Tell me more. But what's so neat, Adam, was so many of these stories, I tell you, it's just amazing, is men have said, I'm so glad you asked me to write that. Hmm. So glad that you pushed me to write those things down. And so another kind of, you know, tertiary goal of this whole journal is just to get men to to start writing, yeah. to understand it. It's therapeutic. It's very enjoyable. Um, and you don't have to be good at it, but just putting your thoughts down. You know, we had one guy who wrote and him and his wife have been struggling through infertility for more than 15 years. And they both come from big families. And I remember when I sat down and I asked him, I said, have you ever written about it? And his wife just started tearing up. Hmm. And he's like, no. I said, would you consider it? He's like, yeah. So he sent me in a draft a few weeks later and it was just lamb. I mean, he was lamenting to the umpteenth degree. Yeah. And I said, we're going to sit on this for a little while because it was one of the first essays. <laughs> we have at least a year. Just we'll sit on it. And I went back to him. And I said, hey, let's go through this again. And he goes, I have another one for you. I want to send it to you. And then we edited it a little bit, but it was so therapeutic for him. Yeah. He goes, Peter, when we started doing that, he goes, when you asked me to do that, he goes, I write every day now. It's a part mm. of my daily rhythm. He's written a book. He got asked to speak at a local prayer breakfast. I mean, just some amazing, amazing. things. And so I think that's been the most rewarding thing for me is just how God has used the journal or really just what he always does. And the Holy Spirit just moves on people in different ways. We just have to be obedient in that. And so, uh, 
asking men to write has been a neat experience because I found a lot of guys actually have a lot to say. So yeah, that is really cool. And and like a part of our heritage, I listened to a book earlier this year from it was Team Arrivals about Abraham Lincoln, and just listening to the letters that these men wrote back and forth to each other, it was it was beautiful, and it was amazing. I was so impressed with their ability to write and their clarity. And this wasn't all just like uh, people that were educated at the best universities. This was just normal. This was a normal part of the masculine journey back then was this ability to write. So I like how you're, you're bringing that analog piece back for us men. I think that's really good. Well, I mean, just think, Adam, like when you receive a handwritten note, what do you do with that note? You read it yep. and then you keep it. Yep. You've read it, but you keep it. You put it in your drawer or you put it on your shelf. Like you keep it. And, and I mean, very few times do we, when we receive a handwritten note, especially from someone that's really important or maybe someone that we admire, you know, we keep that because we know they took the time to create those thoughts, uh, very intentional. And I think in such a, you know, reactive digital world, those, those types of, of keepsakes and moments are, are very, very valuable. For Absolutely. People. Okay. Let me give you a little bit of a pop quiz here on some of this. So this was not in anything that we talked about beforehand, but I'd love to know for you personally. So here it is, faith, fatherhood, work. You read all of these, you went through, you spearheaded this project. What What is a lesson in each of those or an idea or a thought or something that that you really learned and, and had an impact on you personally, uh, just in your uh, trying to be God's man where he has you there in Springfield, Missouri, uh, in each of those categories. So you can either pick one, like the overriding, this was the biggest one, or if you can think of one quick one in each category, I'll, I'll give you an option there. But I'd love to hear just how this all of this was impacting to you as well. Well, that's a great question. Thank you for asking that. I will pick one from each one, uh, not because they're necessarily my favorite, but the first one for me really was sonship. I mean, Adam, this was something that I really needed to fully understand. You know, I, I grew up in a broken home. When you come from that place and you don't have some affirming things that are told to you as a young boy, then you you try to find them in, in false places. Yeah. So the Lord really had to bring me through some things to understand that. Um, and I'm still understanding that. And so that essay on sonship is... It, and it's, a, you know, it's a thousand word essay. It's not a theological, you know, 40, 40, 50 page thing, but it's just a basic concept, but it's so simple, but so profound. And it was written honestly by one of my best friends growing up. Um, and so for me, it meant a lot. And I just want to, you know, make a disclosure too. like divorce is yucky and it's nasty. And my parents are great people and they did their best and all that, but it's just, it's just a byproduct of a fallen world totally. that we live in. You know, so so I would say that um, in the uh, that's in the faith section, although it could be in fatherhood, that's really anywhere in the fatherhood section. I would say uh, Brian Jarrett, he's a pastor of uh, North Place Church, and he's the founder of Lonesome Dove Ranch. He's got an amazing story, and he wrote about just adventure and risk taking with God. And he pulled in, you know, some parallels from John Eldridge's book, Wild at Heart. And I referenced even in my own essay, you know, Fathered by God, which was also written by John. But just this idea of risk-taking with God and just walking alongside him and being obedient and acknowledging God is good and he loves us uh, and we are his sons. And I, you know, the way when he wrote that, I remember reading it on my patio and I just started tearing up just reading it, editing it, because it was just so powerful for me uh, as a reminder. And so, you know, as the publisher of this, you know, this isn't, hey, Peter's got all this figured out and he's just collecting all this together. It's, it's. I am literally walking alongside each and every person 
with this. And then, so that was such a, a powerful essay. And then in the work section, I would say the one that we did on the subject of the anointing, Heath Adamson, and we did this photography shoot, a, a brilliant local photographer, his name's Randy Bacon. And so we had, we photographed 12 different men um, and Randy's signature style is this kind of black and white portrait style. And so we got a shot of, you know, a business owner who used to be incarcerated. We got a shot of a guy who's a referee. We got a shot of a guy who's a highway patrolman. We got a, sh- a shot of, you know, just an everyday grandfather, some older seasoned men, just a variety of different men in different scope. And the whole point of this essay was just this idea of we walk in the anointing and all that we do in our work. And so we yeah. really wanted to showcase that. And so Heath is, is a local speaker and writer. He's actually on staff with a large uh, organization called Convoy of Hope, but he's just a brilliant teacher. And I said, Heath, I would love for you to write on this. And he goes, I, I would love to. And so that's a powerful, powerful essay. And he speaks a lot to, he references the story of Paul. You know, Paul was bivocational. You know, he was in the tabernacle, you know, preaching, but then he was, you know, he was working too. And so I just, I resonated with that as someone who is bootstrapping this, you know, this isn't a Peter's plan to get out of banking strategy. No, this is, <laughs> I see a need, God told me to do it and I'm doing what I was told to do. Amen. And so I'm just letting, you know, leaving the outcomes up to him. But I tell you what, I tell you the neatest part, one of the neatest parts about this whole project though, Adam was, I mean, I'm a trained banker. Like I'm not, I'm not like, I didn't go to journalism school. Right, or anything. Right. And the Lord's brought and put some people around us to help. But I mean, by all means, you know, we're just a bunch of misfits throwing this thing together. But when we started receiving some of the essays back, like when I would tell them, like articulate, hey, this is kind of what we're thinking. You still don't really know how they're going to write and what that's going to look like. But I can't think of one essay that we got back that wasn't, I didn't have that. That's exactly what I wanted. Ah, that's cool. And it's just, it just, it just shows just God's faithfulness in this. And that really it's a God, God breathed. And we've seen this now as the journal has been out a few months and we're shipping it all over the country in different parts of the world. People have just been responded. I've gotten so many messages on Instagram, you know, through the journal or through email, just saying, thank you for doing this. Like you put a language and a framework around the things that I've been thinking about for so long and just, just the affirming. And then the other part is like someone will buy it and then we'll notice like two, three weeks later, they'll buy like five or six or seven (laughs) so many times. And I think it just, again, speaks to, we aimed for excellence, not perfection, but we really shot for that. And I felt like we hit that only because we were patient and we allowed it to unfold and we had any corners. There's definitely some imperfections. There's a couple spots where I'm like, there's two periods there. We missed that edit, but oh, well, you know, but it was uh, an amazing journey through and through. That is really, really cool. And you, that was going to be the last question I was going to ask you. What, what are some of the, or what is some of the feedback that you've been getting from other men when they read it? it, it anything surprising on the feedback that you're getting? I, I, I think I would say probably just how remarkably similar the, the feedback is. Okay. You that's know, good. Even, even over father's day, we had a little thing in our church and they were so gracious to show a video. We did a video. we we produced a few videos through the site. We have them on there. And it's just like so many men are looking for places to relate, you know? And, and I think that's been so rewarding. Uh, and again, our hope is we are just a conduit by which God is channeling what he wants to do, you know, and that's how we see this journal. That's how I see myself. But I think the thing I honestly, I probably have been most surprised by is people that have purchased it and then they go back and they buy more and more of them. I mean, that's just such a, such an affirming thing because this is not an inexpensive endeavor. We've actually structured it as a, a nonprofit. We're awaiting our 501c3. 
So there's some different unique things that allow this to actually happen because it's a very expensive endeavor to do this right. We paid every single person that's touched this journal has been compensated with the exception of myself. And we did that by design because I wanted to honor people's time. So the Lord just provided for us to be able to do that, you know? And so uh, that's been a, a faith journey for me just personally, how God has just done that. But I knew the the response though, the one piece that I knew was going to happen as a result of it, we get this out there more and more is what does community look like around that? And so we're putting some thoughts around what that looks like for us here locally, regionally here in the Springfield, Southwest Missouri area. But I will say one last thing on that question is, as I've learned about places like, or people like you and Better Man, and there are other movements and organizations and, and really spiritual man ecosystems, if you will, out there. I have found that this, the journal really is just a perfect tool or resource for people to use as they see fit. And I think that's really it, you know? And so we're, we're actually putting together kind of a, a leader's kit guide, which is really just designed to say almost like, hey, use this with the group of men that you run with. Use it as you see fit. We had a doctor email us out of Ohio. He said, Peter, I've been praying for years about how to share the gospel with my neighbor. He invited me over to help him with the project in his garage. And at the end, you know, we were just talking and his, his neighbor was like, yeah, let's, you know, let's read through something together. He goes, the next day I walked into my office and another doctor shared me one of the videos that you guys produced. And immediately I knew this is what we needed to do. That's awesome. So he emailed me, he emailed me later that week and he put together like a 10 week curriculum about how to use the journal. Come on. And I'm just like, wow. Like I just, <laughs> you just, you know, we've, we've taken our hands and we've just held them like this yep. openly or just use it as you see fit. And, uh, and that's been very, very refreshing too, because the weight of, you know, performance is not on this. It's, it's allowing it to just be used as God sees fit. All right. So your dad was in publishing, you said, right? Yeah. What, what, yeah. uh, what was his reaction when he saw it? Oh man, <laughs> that, yeah, there's two parts of that story. Um, there, he was very impressed. Um, definitely very impressed. He said, well done. Great job on a personal level. What I wrote about, you know, um, in my essay is about, redemption. It's about my story and how God, you know, has done some things. And so, uh, so we're still talking about what that looks like for us, you know, which is, you know, that's just the honest truth. That's it. Yeah. But I will tell you, it's been neat just from a professional standpoint, people in the print space, they're like, this is, people don't do stuff like this. No, like, this, is, yeah. this is unbelievable. And um, so that, that's been really affirming. It's like, we shot pretty high. People were like, how are you going to follow this up? I was like, well, we'll just do it again. We'll do it again. So, It'll just be volume two. That's right. That's right. Slightly so, different color scheme, maybe. That's uh, right. That's did right. you send a copy to the author of the, the book in Barnes & Noble? It's so funny you say that. Actually, I have, I've been sending out tons of these, right? So after we went to press, we had this huge launch event. We fulfilled all of our pre-orders. And now I'm getting to these lists that I've written out of people. And I'm literally sending his out next week. That's awesome. So I, I love that. Until he gets it out. And I think I'm going to write the, cause I'm on these, I'm writing like, you know, a handwritten note and I'm putting on there for his. I'm going to be like, the very first thing I'm going to say is this is all your fault. And I'm going to put that at the top and he's probably going to be like, I'm going to go write another book. Cause that's why you write a book. You know, you just want it to speak to one person. Right. And so, uh, but yeah, his name's David Sachs. He's a Canadian born author and journalist. I think he's out of Toronto. Uh, but the book is really great. I mean, it's a really neat book. All the chapters read independently. It's a great one for audible too. I downloaded it on Audible because I read it like 15 different ways in different times, you know. But yes, he is on my list. And he's going to love it because he's probably so used to people just going like, I found my old turntable or now we play board <laughs> games, right? Which is all fine and good too. 
but something so meaningful like like this, I'm sure he's going to be blown away by all that. Well, hundred percent. I'll I'll respond. I'll, I'll shoot you an email. Let you know how that went. I'm curious. I really want to know how that one goes because I think that'll be cool. Okay. Well, listen. This has been awesome. I you said there's a 20 hour version. Maybe one day we'll be face to face, and I'd love to continue to hear more stories behind this and and just all these behind the scenes DVD extras. Right. That stuff is so fascinating. I love what you did. Uh, I have seen the journal. It is gorgeous. So you guys, as far as pursuing excellence, not perfection. That's a great line that I'm going to steal and say enough times that I don't have to give you credit for it anymore. And and people are going to think it's my line. But no, I like that a lot. Uh, And I think you did it, friend. I really do. Uh, It's it is beautiful. Uh, We'll put all kinds of ways that people can find it in the show description. Um, But Peter, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for being on the Better Man podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you, Adam. All right. Well, after listening to Peter talk about the Kinsman Journal, I'm sure you're dying to know, okay, how can I get my hands on this or where can I learn more about it? So here we go. Go to kinsmanjournal.com. That's K-I-N-S-M-E-N journal.com. All one word. Out there, you can learn more about this Kinsman Journal. You can read a few of the essays, watch a few videos that they've put together. There's ways to get in touch with Peter and his team out there, and you can certainly purchase copies out there as well. So, Peter, it was great to have a conversation with you today. Thank you so much for jumping on the Better Man podcast with us, and I can't wait to hear about Volume 2 of the Kinsman Journal when that thing is ready to go. This episode, like all the episodes of the Better Man podcast, was produced and mixed and edited by the team over at Sound of a Rose. You can learn more about them at soundofarose.com. That's all we've got for today's episode. We'll talk to you again next time.